You're listening to a sermon from crckulaman.org. Good afternoon, everybody. Can we can we put that uh, the church just your home? You know where it says church, family, and thank you. I just I was just looking at it before. We can just flick that up there again. Aha! There we go. I was that caught my eye before. Um, says, welcome to church, your new home, your other family. I think that's great. But Annette was just saying before, it's like um, she feels like it's coming home or uh, type of thing. I guess we spent quite a bit of time together in Leeton. But that your other family there really rings home for me too because it feels like when I come here, it's my other family in the Lord and it's, uh, I feel right at home. I went out to Hay the other week, out to where Justin is, and again, just out there uh, uh, with Justin and the, uh, and the church out there. And uh, again, it's just like it's your other family and it uh, still feels like home. So it's just great to be here today uh, to share the word with you. Um, been looking forward to it. Uh, we usually bring a few over with us, but um, there's a few people out of town today. So I made the trek over myself. But really compliment you, Steve, on, your, on the worship today. It was awesome. Really good, awesome. It was just really felt a strong presence um, of the Holy Spirit in the place when we were uh, we were worshiping. And um, I was at a service um, in Geelong only a couple of weeks ago with I think it was three or four hundred people. And as I was worshiping here today, I thought, you know, it doesn't matter whether there's four hundred or thirty as there is or forty as there is here today. You know, the presence of God was just so strong, and, and just really, really compliment you guys on the. Um, Obviously, you're putting time and prayer into, into, uh, into your worship session. Just awesome. It really is. And I just want to share a scripture. Oh, today, this morning, let me, I've got a story for you. <laughs> this morning at church, you know how you get your little screws in there? I don't have pres- prescription glasses because I still only use number ones. I only use these when it's, I, I could probably get away with reading that, but it's just easier with glasses. And this morning, the screw came out of my number ones and I couldn't find it anywhere, So, which meant I had to grab these. And these are about three and it's like, you know, back there it's two, I've got to go up like that. So, so if you see me going a bit closer, that's why. But I've just got a scripture here like this. I better hold it up actually. Um, this is out of uh, Acts chapter 3 and I just feel like it's a, it's a word for you guys. I certainly can't look through them. <laughs> at you because I can't see you. Um, this is Peter and James when they were, they were uh, uh, in the temple courts at the a gate called Beautiful and there was a, a beggar there who'd been begging for years and years and years and the beggar had sat down there ready to, to beg again for the day and he saw Peter and uh, John coming and uh, he said to Peter and John, um, what did he say? Let's read it and then we'll know what he said. Uh, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. So this is something that he'd done every day and he was doing it again today because that's how he made a living. That was his occupation, I guess. As a beggar, that was his occupation. He saw them coming and asked for money. Um, so Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave, him his, his gave, him, gave them his full attention, expecting to get some money. And you know... Um, just briefly, I think, uh, you know, oops, this is coming off. Um, 
I think, you know, a lot of the times today, um, uh, people, when they come across, uh, and I don't want to make this sound like a negative thing because it's not, um, but, you know, when they come across a church, it's like, you know, I need some clothing and I need some food or I need, I need something, you know. And most of the time, people will, will, will go to a church. Happens all the time. And that's, you know, that's a part of the reason God's got us here for, to do that. And we should always endeavour to do that. But I think um, uh, maybe what's happened is, uh, you know, maybe the church is, I want to be careful which wor- what words I use here, but, you know, maybe that's, that's what it's come to, is that that's what the church is for, for food, for clothes and, and, and whatever. Um, but... Uh, Peter and or Peter said to this man, um, let's have a look what he's saying. Peter said to this man, um, so the man gave him his full attention. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. So, you know, this man was, he thought, wow, I got their attention. This is my first uh, uh, a few dollars for the day. And, and Peter straight away goes, look, I don't have any money. And I'm sure his heart would have sank because that's what he was doing there. He wanted money. But he said, look, what I do have, I give to you. And as I said, um, let's, not, let's never stop helping people. Let's never stop feeding the hungry. Let's never stop clothing the poor. You know, let's never stop you know, helping people in that way. But let's not just leave it at that. We are, we are more than that. You know, because that's what Peter was saying. Look, I don't have gold or silver, but I have something for you. I have something greater than that. I have something better than that. You know, and, and, it's, and I'm going to give it to you. And I believe God is saying that to the church today. You know, you've got something, you have got something, uh, you know, that I've given you that's worth passing on. And this is what Peter says. He says, taking him, or well, he, what he did, taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. And it says, this, uh, this next part of verse 8, it says, Then he went, uh, he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. Walking and jumping and praising God. This man had been ill for 40 years or, or thereabouts. And all of a sudden he's jumping and leaping and praising God. And, you know, I just believe the church here in Kuhlman... They have something. They have something that God is exact, and it's the exact same thing that God had given to Peter and John there. And there's many people outside these walls that God wants to uh, use you to touch so that they can go jumping and leaping and praising God with joy. God wants, you, God wants to use you in that way. Don't forget that. It hasn't changed one bit. Not one iota has it changed. The exact call that was on Peter and John's life is on this church here in Leeton. And God is encouraging you to be, uh, you know, good servants in this town. He's encouraging you to do that. But, but go a step for, further. You know, out of this, 5,000 men were saved. That's what the scripture says. 5,000 men came to the Lord. That's not including the women and children, is it? 5,000. And this was a display of the power of God. 
You know, and I believe God wants to display and, 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 and cause his power to work through you to touch the folk here in Coolum and the surrounding area. Amen? Take that on board. I really, as I was driving, I think, as I said, I came out here by myself today and normally I'm talking to someone and, and joking and all the way because there's people in the car with you. But today I was just meditating on, on the word and, and, uh, and just, you know, just seeking God and just place that on my heart. So take that on board. Take that on board. Amen. Yes, receive it. Receive it. <laughs> Amen. It was a good um, communion message, Benita. Awesome. Um, I reckon you would have stirred those fellows up yesterday. <laughs> good on you. That was great. You got a lot of talent in this church. Graham's got a lovely voice. That was a, that uh, something beautiful. That takes me back to when I was first saved, back in the early eighties. Is that is that does the rest is it something beautiful and the rest of that song go together or was that something you, you put them together? No, that's okay. Because I, I thought I haven't heard those verses before <laughs> with that, but that was lovely, really nice, really great. Okay, now look, that's not my sermon. Um, that was, <laughs> that's right, that was a word for you. <laughs> uh, where are we? I'm just going to share, just, um, uh, just going to do an expository from Ephesians chapter 2 verses, um, I think it's 1 through verse 10. And you know, Ephesians, uh, I love the book of Ephesians. It's just, it's so rich with uh, the new creation, sorry, the, um, the new creation message and what we have in Christ and who we are in Christ. It is so rich with that that I can read it again and again and again and every time the Holy Spirit just reveals something new, something deeper, something greater and you feel even stronger. Every I find that and look, the whole Bible's probably, not probably, it is like that. But it's just like God speaks to me through uh, the book of Ephesians and I just feel encouraged and stronger every time I read it. And I just thought I'd um, just share this, uh, just this passage uh, with you, just those 10, uh, those 10 scriptures, those 10 verses there. And I'll read them before we go any further. And it says, um, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. <clears throat> like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of, this, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. So, uh, just as we look at that first verse there, I just want to go verse by verse. 
As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. So that means, and I know we're aware of this, but that means just from that spiritual perspective, we were, we were dead spiritually. We were separated from God because of the sin that was in our lives. So we were, we were dead from a spiritual perspective, not a physical one, but uh, from, that physical, uh, from that spiritual perspective. And we were separated from having a relationship with God because of that sin. And that's, that scripture there says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions uh, and sins. We were cut off. We didn't have a relationship with God. And I know we understand that. I know we understand that, that that's from a, a spiritual perspective in that we were, that, that because we had no connection with God, with the, you know, his, uh, his spirit that gives life, we were, we were dead from a spiritual perspective. So as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. In verse 2, it says, um, In which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at those, uh, the spirit who is now at work in those who are, disobe- who are disobedient. So uh, isn't that interesting that it says uh, in, in, the, in the ways you used to live, when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit, you hear that? The spirit that is now at work in those who are disobedient. You know, that says to me that, you know, if there's a... And this is a, it's a fact, it says it there, there's a spirit at work in those, in those who are disobedient, in, in the, you know, those who are non-believers, those who are at, outside the church. There's a spirit at work. It says the kingdom of the ruler of the air is at work in those who are disobedient. That's, that's why, you know, we need to be praying over our town because Jesus has given us the victory. We have, a, and it's, it's, you know, God has given us that mandate to take authority over the ruler of the kingdom of the air. We need to take authority over that thing because no one else can. It's only the church that can do that. Nobody else can do it. It is up to us. We can have the services out there doing everything they can to, to help people in all, you know, in, we, we see it. There's so many government services out there. And don't get me wrong, they're good. But the, the driving force behind all these things that go wrong in our communities, according to this, it says... You know, the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. We need to be taking authority over this thing. We need to be, as Christians, we have a a powerful tool in prayer. You know, and we have the authority. We are seated with Christ Jesus in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and power and principality and everything that has a name. We have that authority. You know, the services can't do it. The, the, the authorities can't do it. It's only the church that is able to do that and we need to be doing it and we need to understand that it's, it's, God has given us that responsibility to do that. So that when we go out there, you know, out there to, to these people, we, we need to have already taken authority in these places. But understand, you know, that there is, that this thing is taking place. And we, we can look at, you know, what does it, um, what did living in our transgression and sin look like? 
you know, I'm going to go to Romans and, you know, most of us know this scripture in Romans chapter 1. This is what it looks like. And we can relate to this because we see it every day. Romans chapter 1, 28 through 32. It says, Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what they ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. They encourage one another. They spur one another on to do these things, to... You know, to be disobedient to the things of God, to things that relate to God. Um, you know, and it's interesting to note that there's a spirit at work encouraging people to continue to live a life that keeps them separated. And um, Ephesians, I just quickly want to read um, Ephesians 6 verse 12 says, For... And we know this scripture again. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, and against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. Uh, this should also give us understanding in our prayers in that we are not only praying for the person, but also praying uh, authority in the spiritual realm also. We need to be praying into that realm, don't we? We need to be praying into that realm. And again, you know, I say that I, I love Ephesians because it just gives me a deeper insight into who I am and what I have and the authority that I have. And it says, um, Paul says here, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in, in, in his holy people and the incomparable great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead. My goodness, how much power is that? It's unlimited, isn't it? And, and it's, it's up to us to realise that. It's up to us to begin to... Uh, you know, to, to understand the responsibility that we have as Christians, as the church. You know, to push back the powers of darkness. To push back those forces in the heavenly realms. We need to push them back, you know, not in our own strength, but by knowing who we are. Knowing our identity and knowing that we are seated with Christ in this place, you know, that, that power that is at work in us, the scripture just said, it's the same as that power that God exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead. We, we have that same power. You know what? The, the, the authority in the heavenly realms know that. They just don't want you to know that. They don't want you to get a deeper revelation of that because you might begin to yield it. You might begin to um, uh, you know, take authority even on a deeper level than what you are. 
you know, read that. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Allow the Holy Spirit to infuse into your heart, into your spirit, so that it becomes a part of you. Um, that God raised uh, Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the Father in the heavenly realm. Listen to this. And I know you know this, but I'm reminding you, far above all rule, authority, power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but in the one to come today, now. What the, and what that scripture say there in verse 2? Uh, when you follow the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. And according to that scripture, we are seated at the right hand of the Father in the heavenly realms. And we know that there's no higher authority in the universe than being seated at the right hand of the Father, do we? The King of kings and the Lord of lords, we're at his right hand. We have authority to speak into the heavenly realms. You know, and I believe we need to. I believe the church needs to rise up Amen. and know that. Know that. Uh, you know, that, that you have authority to speak into the heavenly realms. Take authority over these things. So that when you go, like Peter and John, when they go, you know, into the marketplace and they see the crippled man there and they go, look, we don't have gold and silver, but what we have, we give to you. Get up in the name of Jesus and walk. You know, they, they, they knew the authority they had. They knew who they were in, in Christ. And they did it. Amen? Amen? What else does it say? And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Christ is the head, we are his body. Where is Christ seated? The right hand of the Father, isn't he? In the heavenly realms. He's the head, we're the body. We're, that's exactly where we are. That's where you need to see yourself. And you need to, to live, move, breathe, wake up, go to sleep, knowing that authority that you have. Amen? You need to do that. The, the world needs you. You know, there's a scourge of drugs out there and that needs the church. Because there's this... There's this uh, um, you know, the spiritual power in the heavenly realms that are at work in these places and they're destroying our families. They're destroying our youth. They're destroying marriages. And it's, and it's, and it's these, the scripture says we war not against flesh and blood. I'm telling you, the church needs to rise up. Amen. The church needs to rise up and we need to, and, and the biggest thing that can happen there is us knowing that. And us understanding that, you know, and have this, have this, have the have the devil shaking in his boots because he knows that 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 the church is getting hold of the truth, the church is beginning to realize the authority that they have, the authority that I've given them. And when we speak to this thing, it's got to listen. It has to listen. It cannot ignore us. It must listen. Take authority in Jesus' name. You know, so that's why I'm saying in our prayers, you know, I'm, I'm, the prayer meetings that you have over here, when you're on your own, you, be, you continue to pray, you continue to take authority, continue to read these scriptures. So the Holy Spirit just makes them come alive. You know, the scripture says, 
Uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. It's like Jesus was the Word. You know, we, we, and, and, and that's what God wants us to do. That's what he wants us to become, the Word. We are his body. He's the head. We, we are his body. And, you know, when we look into the Word, it says it's like a mirror, and it's a reflection of us, of who we are. You know, and, and we need to get into the word so that we know the authority we have and, and, and our, our, our responsibility and the mandate that we have to set our towns free, to set our youth free. Uh, verse 3 says, All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the, the cravings of the flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Um, we were objects of wrath, doomed to destruction. Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus so that he is speaking from the past tense in that he is saying, you used to live like this, not anymore. Uh, something must have happened to them that changed their state and we know that they were born again, they were saved. Verse 4 says, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy... God who was rich in mercy. Um, because we changed our ways, so this is, a, this is a test, okay, this question. Because we changed our ways, actions and thoughts, God decided to undeservedly love each and every one of us. Is that right? Okay, let me read it again. Listen, you've got to listen this time. Because we changed our ways, actions and thoughts, God decided to love each and every one of us, even though we didn't deserve it. There's some blank looks. <laughs> it's not right, is it? That is not right. That is not right. God loved us before that. God loved us while we were still sinners. I heard a preacher once and I, and I just about fell off my chair. I just could not believe it. He said, God hates sinners. And, and I just thought, where, where is that coming from? God hates sinners. Now, God loved the sinners. That's why he died for us. Now, God loved us while we were still objects of wrath. It says, God who is rich in mercy. You know, the rich have an abundance of money to purchase whatever they need. You know, the rich. And, you know, I guess us as, you know, we're from uh, just the working class, I guess. I don't think there's any multi-millionaires in here, is there? Hiding in amongst us, not tithing. <laughs> no, just joking. Uh, might, that's right. Park your lot of yacht a little bit closer to the, let's say. So let's have a look at this, uh, what, what Rich is. The, the um, chairman of the Commonwealth Bank of Australia, he makes uh, six million, six and a half million a year, which equates to 125,000 a week. That's not bad for one week, is it? That's rich. That's rich. Or, um, or he probably does. Or $25,000 a day or 3125 per hour. Wow, that's a lot of money, isn't it? Who's worth $3,125 per hour? That's right. So... so um, but this is at the lower end of the rich scale. Okay, that's just at the lower end of the rich scale. Bill Gates makes 
410,000 per hour. It's probably gone up since then. That's a lot of money, isn't it? $410,000 per hour. But it says here, God is he's rich in mercy. You know, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And he's rich in that way. But he is rich in mercy. And he shows that mercy toward us. We have, we have been the beneficiaries of the richness of his grace and his love and his mercy. And he has shown that toward us. Hasn't he? While we were still sinners. And it's, that's what it's taken uh, to, to save us, to get us back. And you know what? I really believe, I really do. You know, I believe that it's, you know, God's, God's grace and mercy sent his son Jesus to die for us so that we could have a relationship with him. Um, but I guess, I don't know about you, but I can remember being rebellious. I can remember doing things that weren't, didn't line up with God. I know it's hard to believe, but it's true. <laughs> but it's true. <laughs> it's true. But I believe it was someone that, that um, you know, that, that went into the prayer cupboard and, and prayed for me, took authority over those, you know, those forces in the heavenly realms. They took authority over them, uh, you know, that, that, that brought me to this place where I accepted the gospel. I really do. We need to be praying for people out there. There are people out there like you and me that, you know, that, that, that need us. They need us. You know, we're the beneficiaries of, of uh, you know, the richness of God's mercy. And he's shown that toward us. We're the recipients of that. Now, how good is that? How awesome. I don't think we'll, you know, our... our finite minds. I don't think we'll grasp a hold of that reality until we, you know, we're standing in glory at the, you know, at the foot of the throne, bathing in the presence of God forever and ever and ever. Wow, what a thought that is. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, we're going to know what that feels like, but we can grasp a hold of that a little bit now, just to get a little peek of that, that, you know, we are beneficiaries of God, of the richness of God's mercy and grace. You know, we've been snatched out of the jaws of hell for eternity. And there are other people out there that need to be snatched out of the jaws of hell because they're going to be in that place for eternity. They're going to be in that place for eternity. And it's, it's, it's our duty, it's our responsibility. You know, and you would have heard me say this before and others say this before, you know, we do this. Not to win God's approval, not to get his affection, not to get his love, but because we already have it. We have it already. And it's like, God, I love you so much that I just want to lay down my life. I want to commit everything I have to you because I want other people to have what I've freely received, what you have freely given me. I didn't deserve it. I didn't deserve it. You have given it to me because of the richness, the richness of your grace and mercy that you have shown toward us, even though we didn't deserve it. Is that right? Okay. I won't draw the rest of these scriptures out. Otherwise, we'll be here till 10 o'clock tonight, won't we? 
He made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. We were dead, but we have been made alive. It is God's grace that has saved us. And this is God's riches at Christ's expense. And we know that acronym, don't we? Grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. We have God's riches and Christ suffered for it. Christ died for it. He took the pain. He took God's wrath so that, so that we could um, bathe in God's glory and, and, and his grace. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. And I read that just before, that we've been raised up with Christ. We, we also, from a spiritual perspective, have been raised to this same place in that, you know, and I'm not going to read that again, but I just read it, that, that Christ has been there and we are seated with him. You know, we have that same authority, don't we? That right, we have that same authority. When the devil sees us, he sees Jesus because we're his body. And he's thinking, you know, does this person know the authority that they have? Well, haven't, or aren't they aware of it just yet? Because if, if he does, if they do, I am in trouble. You know, I am in trouble if they begin to grasp a hold of the authority that, that you really have. In order that in the coming ages, this is verse 7, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Jesus. So if God's grace were to be placed in dollar terms, uh, we would be richer than Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, Buffet is it, uh, and Mark Zuckerberg put together as his riches are, in, the scripture says, his riches are incomparable. You know, we are rich. And um, someone said that before, that we in Christ, we are rich. Because the scripture says we have received his riches. They belong to us, all of them. For now, tomorrow and into eternity. Amen? We have that. It belongs to us. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it's a gift of God. That grace, that undeserved favour, we've been saved from from wrath or separation from God. We've been, we now have, um, you know, what's the scripture say? You know, we can have confidence uh, to enter the throne room of grace, you know, knowing that we're accepted. Knowing that if we we do that, we're not going to drop dead like they did in the Old Testament if someone went too close to God. uh, uh, faith, faith in Christ Jesus, what he did upon the cross and the gift. God has, God has given this gift to us or is offering it to the world and as it is, any gift we need to, uh, need to receive, we just need to receive the gift. So I'll just read that scripture again. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. And I know I don't have to go into that scripture because we, we understand it. Um, uh, it's, it's something that God has given us. Not by works so that no one can, can boast. Salvation is a gift from God and the only boasting that should be done is what Christ did for us. Not anything uh, uh, that, that, that we have done before, during or after salvation, you know. And uh, just something that Benita said there before about you know, accepting the slaves, I think you said, you used that term. I, I just, 
you know, I guess... I just, I, I guess there are some times that my heart really gets broken when um, you, you hear people rejecting someone because of maybe a sin they're involved in. And it's like, you know, I've had, I've had people come to me and say, you know, I just feel so, so dirty. I feel so rejected. I feel, I, I, just, I don't think I could ever come back into the church. And... You know, I don't think that's done in love. And there's a scripture, I'll read a scripture for you. I'm nearly finished, so just bear with me for a second. This is a scripture that some people use to justify. Oh, sorry, it's in, uh, not in Romans, in Ephesians. Uh, 1 Corinthians. It says, um, I'll write uh, maybe from verse, uh, sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, verse 9. It says, I wrote to you in my letter, not, this is Paul writing to the Corinthian church, not as to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meeting the people of this world who are immoral or greedy or swindlers or idolaters. In that case, you would have to leave this world. But now I am writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be brother or sister but is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater, a slanderer, a drunkard, a swindler. Do not even eat with such people. Uh, you know, and I think sometimes people take that too far. I really do. I've seen people rejected and hurt because... Um, because they've taken that scripture too far and they have totally rejected the person and not had anything to do with them. And I don't think God ever meant us to take it that far. Uh, you know, um, because for me, when I read that scripture, when I read that scripture, I think if I was to take that to the umpteenth degree, no one would be able to eat with me because I'm in that group. Okay, I'm in that group of people. And I think if we were all to be honest, we, we know that we'd be in that too. It's only, it's only through that scripture that I just read there that I'm able to stand up. Otherwise, I'd be going to hell. It's only through that scripture there that I read before, I've been saved by grace, or through faith. It is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God. That's the only reason I'm ever able to stand. That's the only reason, you know, that, that I can say that... that and, and, it's, and that's what the next thing says. They're not by works so that no one can boast. People in this situation, we don't approve of what they do. And if the opportunity arises, we let them know with love and with grace... People receive that. People accept that. But if you judge them in that way, I just really feel that they will turn their backs and never come back. 
And I think, we, I think we can take that too far. I only mentioned that because of that scripture there, that verse 8 and 9, that we've been saved by grace. Or you have been saved by grace, through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. You know, I've seen new people come into the church and people, you know, that they might not be, they might not, they might not be married, and um, people who 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 move in the in the realms of law rather than grace say, "Well, we've got to do something about that." And um, you know, if they'll still like it three or four years down the track, you might have a word with them. But for now, we need to love them into the kingdom and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to them, and they'll do it. They'll get married. They'll stop sinning in whatever way it is. They'll do it because the Holy Spirit, you know, is, uh, is at work within them. Um, and last scripture here, um, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So you are God's workmanship. We've been, we've been made by God. You know, if you ever think that you're not good enough, if you ever think that, you know, I have a few flaws and a few faults, you know, just, you need to go back to this scripture because you are God's workmanship. You know, you, you, you're, you're not a, you're not, uh, uh, well, you haven't, you're not a, a what, what can I say, I can't think of the word, but, you know, all the words that we've heard in the past, all the negative things we've heard in the past doesn't make you who you are today. This is why we need to get into the word you know, and that, that scripture there, you are God's workmanship. You are something special. You were made with, you know, with a precision manner. You were special. You were worth uh, uh, sending uh, Jesus to die for. That gives you worth. And there are many other scriptures in the Bible that talk about who we are. That's why I keep saying you need to know what it is. Because if you have, a, have any doubts about who you are, if you have those self-doubts, those, um, those uh, you know, th- those things that hold you back, the enemy will know that and he will use that. You need to know that you're God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Um, for good works, which God prepared in advance, this gives you a reason to wake up every morning. This gives you a reason to put your foot on the floor every morning. And to get out of bed and to go and attack the world because, because God has, has uh, something for you. He's prepared something for you in advance. And it's up to you to do it. Amen? I'm done there. Amen. <laughs>